views and opinions expressed in Cold and Missing are exclusively those of the hosts. All parties mentioned are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Cold and Missing also contains adult themes and languages and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everyone. We hope you had a lovely weekend. Yes, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Cold and Missing. Fifth episode, feeling good, feeling great. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, if this was Mambo number five, (laughs) this would be it. This would be the pinnacle, number five. Vega, I bet, is proud, wherever he is. I saw a meme that was like, God did not allow my name to be in Mambo number five because he knew I would be too powerful. <laughs> and that feels real to me. If that my, is true. Yeah. If he said Allie, I'd be like, well, no, you couldn't tell me nothing for the rest of my life. I'd be like, well, Lou Bega, Mambo number five. Who Bega? <laughs> Lou Bega, who Bega? Okay. So we went to a monster truck rally this weekend. We did. Yes. We went to a monster truck rally. Um, a good friend of ours is an announcer for them and like has been doing this for years. And it's it's really cool to see. I've never been to a monster truck show, but jumped in, knew who, everything. Who was your favorite? Grave Digger. Obviously. Grave Digger. Grave Digger. It was so cool. Very loud. Very very loud. If you are an adult, I recommend headphones as well. They were necessary for us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did just want to do a quick correction to last week's episode. This is the episode with Travel Henley, and I mispronounced the middle school that he went to. A source in Ohio has told me that it is not Medina Middle School, but it's Medina. So Travel Henley was a middle schooler at Medina Middle School. Medina. Medina. Not Medina. Medina. That's my correction I wanted to get in. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's start it. Is this cold or missing? This is a cold case. So we know. We know roughly what happened. And the people are deceased. Yes. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Today we are talking about Marjorie, Margie Dabney. So she went by Margie. And again, this is a cold case. And she was 70 years old at the time that this happened. What? Yeah. Okay. You might cry this episode, just a heads up. All right. (laughs) Our listeners may not know, but Eli, as a child, he couldn't really look at elderly people without crying. He would just cry anytime he saw somebody who was really old as a child. And that kind of stays true um, into his 30s. He gets really sad about um senior folks i'm not i'm not sad about them i <laughs> i feel sad around people that i perceive to like maybe look lonely mm-hmm. or like confused or like they're in pain like i just can't <laughs> you're going to hate this week though <laughs> i want to make it clear 
I love I love old people. Yes. (laughs) But you just like emotionally like really can't handle it. (laughs) Hey, hey man. I can I can handle it. Like I got it. I can keep it together. Okay. Okay. Okay, so Margie Dabney, she's 70 years old, and this the date that all of this jumps off is December 5th, 2001. And we are at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So a little background information about Margie. Her and her husband, Joe, they have been married for 34 years together. She is the mother of 10. 10? 10. Wow. Mother of 10 and a grandmother. Her daughter says that she is the sweetest woman. She'd give you the shirt off of her back. She's 95 pounds and 5'2", so just a little itty-bitty thing. At the time she went missing, she was suffering from diabetes, high blood pressure, and Alzheimer's. And on the day she went missing, she was wearing a two-piece knit suit, a rainbow sweater, black faux leather jacket, a green and white scarf, glasses with a chain, an Alzheimer's ID tag, and then a beige purse and an Aldi shopping bag. So incredible fashion, first of all. Incredible fashion. I think that we should notate that. Yes. It seems as if Margie is of the era. Like, you are about to be in a miracle of flight through the air. So you dress up for that. You know, back in the day, like, you used to really dress up for your flights. (laughs) This is 2001. (laughs) Did people still do that? Well, no, but I'm saying she's older, so she might be of that generation that still... I understand now, yeah. ...respects. Yeah. The sky. <laughs> okay. Incre- Margie had incredible fashion. Incredible fashion, yeah. 70 years old, still can get it any day of the week. Wednesday, December 5th, 2001. Margie and Joe are flying together from Indianapolis to Bakersfield, California, with a layover at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So Margie had been staying with her children in Indianapolis while Joe, her husband, was recovering from a hip surgery. So Joe is in California. He had a hip surgery done. And because Margie has Alzheimer's and she has a history of wandering off, she went to go live with her children in Indianapolis so that way they could watch her. And Joe, who was recovering and like couldn't really get up and move about that much, he stayed in California. But... As he was healing, he was now using a wheelchair to get around. He he flies to Indianapolis by himself to pick Margie up and fly her and himself back to California to their home. So they are very aware that Margie needs assistance getting from place to place. And the family is very, they take a lot of precautions because she does have a history of wandering off. Also, the couple is very comfortable flying together. Like... Joe, he has trouble getting around, and he uses a wheelchair. And then Margie has Alzheimer's, but they are very comfortable flying. Joe and Margie had moved from Indianapolis to California only a year before this, so in the year 2000 they moved. But family says that they had flown back and forward between six and seven times between June and November of that year. So in a six-month span, they were pretty much flying once a month to see their children, and they routinely asked the airlines for escorts, help getting to the gate from the gate. So Joe and Margie, on December 5th, 2001, are driven to the airport by their daughter, Candace, and they arrive between 5 and 6 a.m. This is 
December of 2001. So this is just a few months after the September 11th attacks. And if you remember during this time, they recommended that you get to the airport two hours beforehand because security was so cranked up uh, immediately following the attacks. So they arrive between five and six for their 7 a.m. flight. So they get there quite early. And the flight from Indianapolis to Dallas-Fort Worth is about two and a half hours. So that's the first leg of their journey. And then they're going to change planes and continue on to California from Dallas. During the flight, Margie becomes so confused, she tried to open a plane door in flight. Wow. Yes. But, again, she's very little. She's only 95 pounds. I'm not saying she's not strong, but I know it takes quite a bit of heft to get those doors open, especially in flight, I would imagine. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, she she wasn't really posing a danger to the flight themselves, but the family had already told American Airlines that she had Alzheimer's, all, that she had Alzheimer's, but now she's also confused and trying to open a door in the flight. So, like... She's like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, so the crew, they know that she has Alzheimer's, and okay. American Airlines is aware that this is a passenger that needs some assistance. Okay. And at the gates in Indianapolis, she had been given a special needs lanyard, but when she arrives in Dallas-Fort Worth, staff do not see it because it has kind of gotten underneath her coat that she was wearing, so she still has it on, but... Nobody in Dallas-Fort Worth reported noticing it, none of the staff there. So the flight lands at Dallas-Fort Worth around 10.15 a.m. Joe and Margie wait for everybody to deplane first. They're the last two on the plane, and a flight attendant helps them get off and walks them to an escort to help them get to their next gate for... California. For California. Okay. Yes. They were supposed to be two attendants, one to help Joe and one to help Margie, because, again, Joe is in a wheelchair and Margie wanders off from Alzheimer's. So two different needs, right? But the attendant who was supposed to help Margie went to the wrong gate. And so Margie does not have an escort. Only Joe has one. And Joe's escort, there's a language barrier, and he does not realize that he is also now responsible for Margie. He just thinks he's in charge of Joe and getting Joe to the next gate. Okay. So the escorts were supposed to help Joe and Margie get from gate 35 to gate 39 in Terminal A. So I looked at a map of the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. I've been there multiple times. It's very close. Yes. These gates are very close to each other. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, 34, or they were at gate 35, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39. Four, four, four gates. Yeah. That's Most of us have been to airports where we can recognize, like, that spatial awareness and how close a gate is. Yes. Like, you, it is visible from one to the other. Yes. And in between these gates is a bathroom. There are three versions of what happens next. There's what the airline says, what the police says, and what Joe says. But these are the critical moments of Margie's last known whereabouts is in this moment after they have deplaned. So this is the story that the airline talks about, and this is the story that is printed the most. Joe and Margie, they have been delivered from the flight by a flight attendant to one escort. So Joe and Margie are escorted by the aide, and they tell him that they need to use the bathroom. You know, they just got off a flight. Everybody uses the bathroom after a flight, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's 101 of 
flying. Like you use the bathroom. Airplane belly. Yeah, exactly. So this is where there's like some deviation within the story as well. So either the escort enters the bathroom with Joe because he is recovering from hip surgery and needs help using the restroom. They tell Margie to meet them at the gate. She points to the sign and says she understands. Because again, it's so close, you'd be able to see gate 39 from the bathroom. So Correct. This is what they say. This is one version of the story. The other version of the story is Joe and Margie tell the aide they need to use the bathroom. And Joe and the escort enter the bathroom, and Margie enters the women's bathroom. But when she doesn't come out of the bathroom, the escort asks a woman aide to enter the bathroom, and she cannot locate Margie. Okay. So that's what... That's what's reported the most of what happening is that Margie went into the bathroom. Like, that is the story. But there are reports of her not going into the bathroom and her just kind of pointing to the sign and saying she understood. But that is what's reported the most, and that's kind of what the airline says. Police say that Joe needed to use the bathroom, and Joe yelled for Margie to meet them at the gate as she wandered away from Joe and the escort. So... According to police, she just kind of starts wandering away, and Joe's, like, yelling at her to go to their gate, but she doesn't respond, and Joe loses her in the crowd. That's what police say happened. This isn't really talked about a lot, so I don't know. But it's reported a couple of times in newspapers that this is what happened rather than them asking to use the bathroom. She just started wandering away, and Joe tried to call after her, and he tries to get the attendant to help, but there's a language barrier happening. So the attendant doesn't realize what Joe is asking or what Joe is needing him to do to get his wife back. But then there's a third version, and this is what Joe says happened. So Joe says he never saw Margie leave the airplane. He was being wheeled off the airplane, and Margie was behind him. And he tried to twist around to see her and find her, but lost her in the crowd. So according to Joe, he never saw her get off the airplane, technically, because he was behind her. And we all know those airplane aisles are so thin that if he's being aided in a wheelchair and somebody's pushing him, and then Margie's behind him, like he would have a hard time seeing her. Correct. So that's three versions of what happens. But essentially, they get off of the plane, Joe uses the bathroom, and Margie disappears in that time. That is the last time that Joe sees Margie is right there at that plane. So either on the plane, as he was getting kind of wheeled off, or as he was like entering the bathroom. But somewhere in there was the last time that Joe sees Margie. So one thing that does come up again and again is that Joe starts to fight with this attendant because his wife is not with him and he needs help. So he starts, like, at one point, Joe says that he took the leg. What's the word I'm looking for? The break? Not the break, but, like, the leg rest. That, that holds your foot? Yeah, the leg rest that holds your foot, and, like, he took it off and started, like, hitting the guy with it to get him to, like, stop, because he was like, my wife is not here. She has Alzheimer's. So he starts fighting with the attendant. Security is called, and Joe's able to communicate to security that 
his wife is missing and she has Alzheimer's. But again, the airline should know this because... It has been previously communicated. Yes. They asked for an escort. She has a lanyard on and she did the plane thing. Yeah. Where she tried to open the door. So Joe's at the gate and... he alerts the gate and security that he cannot find his wife. And so American Airline begins to search for her. They search both gates that Margie was at, so where she came from, where she was going. They start to search other gates, bathrooms, and they fail to find her. So that's the first 75 minutes is just American Airlines searching for her. Okay. So 75 minutes after Margie's plane lands, American Airlines calls the airport police to help look for her. So this is well over an hour after she's been missing already, and they cannot find her. And Joe will beg American Airlines to call the police minutes into her disappearing. He will start begging them to call the police because she has a history of doing this. And so he wants the police involved. In talking about the search, Joe says, we went from one end to the other, upstairs, downstairs. We've asked everybody we could find, but nobody saw her. Somebody should have seen her, but they didn't. I don't know where she is. So now that the police are involved, the search expands to all of the terminals, because this is an international airport. I think there's five of them. So they start searching all terminals, all transportation methods within the airport, all the roads, and other areas on the 18,000-acre property. Dallas-Fort Worth is the third largest airport in the world, and this is of 2022, so it is a very big airport and a very big campus around the airport. Yeah, it's similar to the size of, I don't know if you've ever been to LAX, but similar. No, yeah, I've never been to LAX or this airport, but I've been to other airports that I considered huge that did not come yeah, even up. even O'Hare. Yeah, or like, you know, uh, the Paris airport. Like, I was like, yeah. this is huge, but that wasn't even close to the rank, so I'm like, this is huge. Police will use dogs and a helicopter with heat-seeking technology to help search because it is such a large campus. And on this day, December 5th, a construction worker and a pilot will say that they saw Margie wandering on the tarmac, but by the time searchers got there, she was gone. On the tarmac? On the tarmac. So she had made it outside onto where the planes are taking off. And, you know, a pilot saw her, and I'm like, pilots have to have perfect vision. Like, not that I'm saying I don't trust a construction worker to be like, hey, I saw this old woman out here too, but I'm like, a pilot saw her? Like, he for sure saw her. Like, they have to have great vision. That's like the requirement. But by the time searchers got to the spot on the tarmac, no sign of her. So later that night, this is still Wednesday the 5th when she goes missing, Joe is put on a flight to California later that day against his will. He does not want to get on it. And again, there's like some questions about why he was put on a flight. According to American Airlines, they claimed that the family said it was fine for him to get on a flight, but the family says they were en route to Texas to start looking for their mother. Why would they want their father sent off? Either way, he's rolled onto a flight, and it is reported that he just sobbed the whole way home. Yeah, I mean, if someone tried to do that to me with you, that poor man, I, I, like, that's... All right, keep going. Yeah, it's torturous. 
So Joe arrives in California in this brand new apartment that he had set up for him and Margie alone. He calls the police um, in California to report that his wife is missing. So that was Wednesday. Thursday, no news. Friday, December 7th, police finally contact the media to let them know that she is missing and with her picture. So media had not been contacted till that Friday. And in an Alzheimer's search, the first two hours are the most critical. So 60% of people with Alzheimer's will wander off. Like, this is a habit of people for Alzheimer's because they are searching for something that's familiar to them. So 60% of people with Alzheimer's will wander off. And if not found in the first 24 hours, 46% will die mostly due to dehydration or hyperthermia. So just like with kids, those first hours are so critical. It's like also with people with Alzheimer's, those first hours are so critical. And American Airlines spent that first hour not alerting the police that she was gone, just searching for her locally instead of announcing it to everybody. So on Friday, they finally get her picture out to the media and an airport worker reported seeing someone who matched her description on a service road within the airport and police arrive with dogs who pick up on her scent. So she was there on that road, but then it stopped abruptly, which is, quote, consistent with her getting into a car. I quoted Marty Ayers, the AA, the American Airlines uh, spokesman. The media called Joe in California. He's still in California. And he says, quote, I ain't heard nothing. Nobody tells me anything. I don't know what's going on here. All I want is my wife, please. Margie's children will come to Texas to kind of head up the search because, again, Joe is recovering from this recent surgery. And so Monday, December 10th, the FBI officially joined the search for Margie. There's been no sign of her since. And at this point, the police are unsure if she's on the airport grounds any longer. So it's almost a week that she's been missing, but they're like, we really don't know if she's at the airport or not because it's so big and she's kind of popped up a couple of times over the few days. Later that week, on Friday, December 14th, Candace, her daughter, who immediately got to Texas to start looking for her mother, she's running down leads all over Texas. There was a report that Margie was seen in Waco, Texas, and a gas station attendant swore she was in his store. So her daughter Candace is driving all over Texas just to follow down any leads, to put pictures up everywhere. Like when she heard about this possible sighting in Waco, she wallpapered the city in posters of her mother. Tuesday, December 18th, this is just shy of her missing for two weeks. Police say she is no longer at the airport. So that is what they have accomplished in two weeks, is that she is no longer at the airport. And Candace, her daughter, says, quote, I'm certain she's not at the airport, too. I haven't been everywhere, but I'm still trying. I know my mother wouldn't give up on me, and I won't give up on her. And Candace really becomes, like, the family spokesperson and, like, the driver of finding her mother amongst all of, ten of her children. It's really Candace that's, like, in the media making sure her mother's story gets covered. So Christmas comes and goes. New Year's comes and goes. No sign of Margie. And American Airlines, they had been paying for a rental car 
for Candace as well as a hotel for her to be in Dallas because again she's from Indianapolis so for her to be in the area but they announced that they will stop paying for this on January 14th so just a little over a month after her mother's been missing American Airlines says we're not paying for that anymore Um, but they will American Airlines says they will keep a private investigator on the case for another month like she's a piece of luggage how gracious how a multi-billion dollar company and industry (laughs) how gracious how gracious so march 2002 this is she's been missing for about three months at this point joe hasn't unpacked the suitcases from the day that margie went missing because she was the last one to close them so he can't bring himself to open them And he says, quote, all I want is my wife. She really was the only woman I ever loved. I just want to know that she's okay. What happened? End quote. So police, in their search, they also were checking with hospitals. Because in the past, when Margie had wandered off, she had always gone to a hospital. And she would either ask for her mother, who died in the year 2000, or for Joe, who was having the surgery. So they check with hospitals, churches, truck stops, homeless shelters, and morgues. And there's no sign of Margie. An airport spokesman, so this is for the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, Ken Caps, announces that the airport police will undergo training for memory-impaired people, but, quote, we feel quite comfortable with our efforts in this case, end quote. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You lost a woman whose family specifically requested help getting her to four terminals, just four terminals away. Like, Ken Caps, that's bullshit. And you know it. Also in March of 2002, Margie's family, they're going to hire Johnny Cochran's law firm to explore all their legal options. And also because the family was having trouble getting reports. Johnny Cochran? Yes, his law firm. So oh, okay. Johnny Cochran, he does speak a little bit on this case, but it's another lawyer in his law firm that mainly handles it. And if our listeners don't know, Johnny Cochran famously defended O.J. Simpson, and that is uh, how he became, or maybe he was a famous lawyer before that. I don't know. I was very young at the time, but <laughs> but I know that is kind of like how he is forever in pop culture is the O.J. Simpson case. The family also hires the legal firm because they are having trouble getting all the reports that the American Airlines private eye, they like American Airlines isn't being forthcoming with giving the family all that information. So they hire a law firm so they can get all the information to find their mother. So April 2002, four months missing. American Airlines offers a $10,000 reward, again, because they're so gracious. And on April 18th, Joe files a lawsuit against American Airlines. In response to the lawsuit, you're going to love this. In response to the lawsuit, the American Airlines lawyer suggests that the couple could be conspiring to defraud the airline. They're like, well, maybe she's just hiding for four months. This ninety, um, sorry, this ninety-five pound, seventy-year-old woman with Alzheimer's is swindling American Airlines. Yeah, her and her sixty-three-year-old recovering from hip surgery husband, swindling. That's the vibe American Airlines is going with. Yes. Okay. That that's their stance. The family attorney. So this is Bruce South, and he is um, a lawyer at Johnny. Cochran's law firm, he believes that she was abducted by an airport employee. And he says, quote, she's either dead somewhere or is being housed by someone, end quote. 
The airline, of course, wants to settle the lawsuit outside of court. But Candace Price, she says, quote, how are you going to try to settle when you still haven't found my mother? Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean settle? Settle what? Yeah. Settle your own delusions and come back to Earth? Yeah, if that's the case, let's settle it quick, American Airlines. Because y'all got me fucked up on this one. Okay, so September 27th, 2002, nine months missing. The family revived the lawsuit for $75 million, which I'm like, get it. <laughs> do it. Yeah, I'm like, that. do it for a billion dollars. Like, <laughs> they have it, and you deserve it. And it's revealed at this time that American Airlines misidentified Margie as an unaccompanied minor instead of an Alzheimer's passenger. So they had her marked down as... A child. A child, essentially. And I'm still like, so y'all are good with losing a child still? Like, when, yeah. if she had been an unaccompanied minor, like... Yeah, you saying that doesn't make it any better. No, it Honestly, just... Honestly, it makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, it makes it look worse for you. March of 2003, Margie's been missing for over a year at this point. Okay. Joe and American Airlines settle outside of court, and the amount is not disclosed, which means... I think the airline paid out of their fucking nose. And then that's all we kind of hear for 2003. In January of 2004, so two years missing, mm -hmm. a skull is found on airport grounds and later skeleton remains. But it turns out the skeleton remains um, are of a man's body. So it's not Margie. And later in the year of 2004, a $100,000 reward is going to be offered for information for Margie. Nothing happens in 2005. Nothing happens in 2006. And the family hopes that Margie is still alive and that somebody found her and is caring for her. And that's like what the family like hangs on to is that she's... You know, she has Alzheimer's, so she's not able to communicate where she's from, who she is. So somebody has just found her and is caring for her, is what the family is, like, hoping for and living on. Just shy of six years since the last time Margie was seen, so this is November 26th of 2007, the Louisville PD are called to Louisville Lake. And this is about 15 miles north of the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. The Army Corps of Engineers were conducting a controlled burn near the dam that sits there and revealed a human skull and bones. The body of a woman is found, and at this time she remains unidentified. October 2008. So seven years Margie has been missing. Another controlled burn is done in an adjacent field from where the skeleton remains were found. So the Army Corps of Engineers is conducting another controlled burn in an adjacent field. During the burn, they find Margie's ID, bus pass, AARP card, her American Airlines tag, and the clothes she was last seen in. So that's all found in this field adjacent to where the remains were found. Police asked the family for DNA to compare to the skeletal remains they found in 2007. The family hopes at this point that she just fell into a diabetic coma and passed away peacefully. So they know she is no longer alive and nobody is caring for her the way that they originally hoped. But now they hope that she died peacefully and just kind of fell asleep. And police 
believe it unlikely that she walked to where her remains were found due to the distance and her age. So this is 15 miles north and through some wooded terrain. Um, So they do not believe that she wandered there on her own. So Friday, November 14th, 2008, DNA confirms that the bones found November 26th, 2007 are confirmed to be Margie's. So those skeletal remains are Margie's and the family is informed. On November 17th of 2008, an autopsy is done on the remains and the case is officially declared a homicide at this point. On her skull, there is a fracture, and the nature of the fracture indicated that Margie was either hit or shot in the head, but they specifically say she did not fall. Like, this could not have happened from an accidental fall, which... In my mind, when I was reading this, I was like, would they be able to tell if she fell? Because again, you know, she's an older woman. Like, could she have fallen and hit her head and died that way? But they very specifically say she did not fall. Like, it is a homicide. And something in my bones tells me that if they could have gotten away with calling it anything other than a homicide, they would have. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this old woman who had Alzheimer's that wandered away, got lost in an airport, turns up seven years later. Like, I think they would have tried really hard to find any other reason but homicide that this woman died. It is officially declared a homicide. Um, And the autopsy cannot determine when or where she died, so we don't know how quickly after she went missing she died. Joe is in disbelief that his wife has been murdered. He's still alive seven years later. He's, um, yeah, he's, at this point, he's only 70. And Candace, her daughter, who had been searching and had been hoping for the best alternative, says, quote, to get this news that somebody hit her upside her head, you can't prepare yourself for this. January of 2009, police reveal that there's no security footage anywhere from that day she went missing of her or Joe. So no cameras in the airport caught her. They didn't or they were fucked with? (laughs) Right. Well, that's the question, right? Like, How does that happen? How does that happen after 9-11? Not a single camera caught them in the airport. Not a single one. And this was like 40 days after 9-11. Or like, well, no, because September, okay, October, November. Okay, 60 days. Yes. I I mean, I flew, again, I was like 12. I flew six months after 9-11. And I remember security being crazy, (laughs) like flying this time. Like, I had flown before with my family, but, like, I remember how picked up the security was. To this day, I remember that flight, like, how secure it really was, you know? And so, that's the question, like, so was Dallas-Fort Worth but you know what, not Al? prepared? Think about, think about what I've experienced as a trans person walking through TSA. If I were to say, like, this person, like, this was my experience, I was touched inappropriately, I was talked to inappropriately, it was handled inappropriately, I I would bet my life that there would be no cameras, like, no footage of that to be like, oh, yeah, that is what happened, and we will, like, wreck, like right. work on that behavior. So, yeah. 
I'm like, <laughs> I get it. They don't have our best interests in mind, in my opinion, in walking through an airport. Well, yeah, and you know, it begs the question. So it's like, okay, was Dallas Fort Worth not secure after 9-11? Well, like, was that just it? They had no cameras at all? Or y'all lying? <laughs> y'all be lying. Yeah, like the cameras outside. Like, w- what? I don't understand with like, okay, so a pilot saw an old woman wandering around outside of the tarmac and like that wasn't an immediate like, turn on all of the sirens at the airport. Like a rando is walking around where planes are lifting off. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. There's, there's a lot about it that doesn't make sense because in theory, a woman should not be able to disappear without a trace from the third largest airport in the world. That's that should be very difficult to do, but this seventy year old Alzheimer's patient did it flawlessly. No poof, disappeared without a trace. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so please have no leads. Margie So collectively you and I we call shade. We call shade. W- we're calling shade on the whole ordeal. We call shade on American Airlines, we call shade on Dallas Fort Worth Airport. Shade, shade, shade. For shame. But if you out there, our listeners who I know, I'm sure you're also throwing shade. <laughs> if you have any information about what happened to Margie, or maybe you were flying during that time and saw an old woman that sticks out in your mind, because again, this was so close after 9 11. A lot of those first airport memories, like, live in people's brains, you know, of flying after 9-11, what that was like, you know? Yeah. So, if you, you heard somebody, anybody, if anybody knows anything about this, please contact the Louisville Police Department at 972-219-3640. And the sources for today's podcast come from the city of Louisville, Bakersfield.com, WFAA News, the New York Times, Fort Worth Star Telegram, the Birmingham Post Herald, the Sacramento Bee, the San Angelo Standard Times, the Miami Herald, Longview Daily News, the Courier, the Indianapolis Star, Austin American Statesman, the Salina Journal, the Fresno Bee, Corpus Christi, Caller Times, Lancaster New Era, the Modesto Bee, and Longview News Journal. Wow. Thank you for all of that digging you did. Well, I just couldn't believe it. This, I feel like I'm going to say this after every case, but it's like how a busy airport in broad daylight and nobody sees her? You know, I, um, we watched that documentary last night. What Mm -hmm. happened to Andy? And so much in that documentary, they talk about the egos that are are in place at like different police departments. The egos that are built into um, just like capitalism, Mm -hmm. you know, and like wanting to withhold information, wanting to hide information, wanting to control how it is let out, wanting to be the one who breaks the case, wanting to be the one that covers up the case, you know? Right. Um, There's, you know, when when one person dies, you can, like, times that number by, like, a couple thousand of how many people are involved surrounding that one person in solving the case. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
so many new things and emotions and egos and politics are introduced to that person's death. And it's yeah. really unfortunate that it that it happens that way. Yeah, because I'm... It should be, like, the ultimate goal is, like, just bring this person home and stop. You know, like, that's it. But, yeah, they withhold information. They, you know, it's the idea, well, I found this info. you got to go find it if you want it. But it's, like... Well, in the coming up with, like, stories based off of knowledge that they grabbed from the air above them, that that these people were somehow swindling the airport. You know, like, right. like introducing that new storyline. It's, like, why would... You, you are muddying this on on purpose yes yeah you're trying to introduce to buy doubt. time to push time exactly mm-hmm. you're trying to introduce doubt that introduce doubt and release fault responsibility yeah. accountability right because ultimately it's the airline and the airport they, I mean, the family says this again and again in interviews with them, but it's like they lost her like a piece of luggage, and they treat it like it's a piece of luggage. Like, like it's not serious. Like, it's not their mother. It's not their wife. It's not a grandmother. It's not somebody. You know, they were just like, oh, well, you lost your luggage? Please fill out this report. We'll send you $10. The fuck? All right. Well, yeah. those are our thoughts. We... Look forward to hearing what you have to say about this episode. Yes. If you are enjoying what we're doing here and are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to us, rate and review it, tell your friends about it. Ultimately, our goal is to get as many ears on these stories as possible because somebody out there knows something. So spread it around. Yeah. And we'll be, we'll be back next week. We hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening. Yeah, have a good week, y'all.